0: Well, when you have four children like I do, you, know, you get a lot of experience, a lot of practice at doing fun things with them, right? And, uh, and anyone, if you know me personally, you know that I like to joke around. I enjoy humor. Um, and when my kids are little or were little, and one of them still is, I like to find ways to, to make them laugh, right? And one of the ways I would do that is I would tell them that I have a secret to tell them. I said, I have a secret, and they get all excited, and they say, what? And I said, I have a secret, just come, come real close to me. I got a secret to tell you. I get closer, come here, I got a secret, and I get closer. Get right here, and I go, blah, like that. <laughs> <laughs> ah! They're scared. they're scared, they laugh and everything, they think it's fun. But they'll keep falling for it over and over again. <laughs> they know it's coming. I got a secret for you. What? Come closer. What? Ah, all right. Why does it continue to work? They know what's going to happen. Because all people, even children, love secrets. Amen? We don't want to admit it, but we do. We like secret information. If I, if I told you I had a secret about someone right now, i said, hey, I got a secret about somebody I want to tell you. Even if you knew it was wrong to listen, because that's considered gossip, part of you would be like, hmm, I wonder what that is wonder what he knows, There's something about the heart that wants to know information. The Bible has a lot of information that's not secret. It's right here for people to read. And it's very important to know. But it might as well be secret if we don't read it. And it might as well be secret if we don't pass that knowledge down to generations after us. That's what we're looking at today. The secret to a long life. And Terry kind of touched on some of it in Proverbs 3 today. The secret to a long life, Proverbs 4. I'm just going to read the first nine verses. Proverbs 4. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction. Be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, tender, The only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. Get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, she will keep you. Love her, she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly, she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being able to come in here and sing your praises. Uh, We we thank you about the reminder of heaven we heard today, that that one day we will be with you. Uh, And we know that one day in your sight is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day, because we're just going to enjoy it. But we're not there yet, Father. We're here in this sin-riddled world. Lord, we have information coming at us all the day, all the time, some of it true, some of it false, telling us what we should believe, how we should live, what we should do. But, Lord, the secret to life is in your word. So, Lord, show us today more confirmation of that. Lord, I I thank you for, for giving us your word. I do pray that you use my words to glorify what you're saying today, to bring truth to what you're saying, and fill me with your spirit as our people receive your word today in Jesus' name, amen. The Proverbs is a collection of sayings that, generally speaking, are true. It's a collection of saying that, generally speaking, are true. That's what makes a proverb a proverb. They are not 100% guarantees. I want us to realize that. That's not what they are. Uh, almost every parent has quoted, train up a child in the way of the Lord. and He's old. He will not depart from it. And then the child departs, and the, and the, and the parent's like, well, what happened? I, I claimed that verse. Well, it's not a 100% money-back guarantee. You cannot speak to a manager. He's up there. Right? I mean, you can, but he may not answer you about that. A proverb is a life principle of a moral occurrence. Basically, when we look at a proverb, what it's saying is, if you do this, then this is usually what happens. If you live like this, then this is what happens. If you don't do this, then this will happen. They're not guarantees. There are exceptions. The point is... Do this, and this will happen. I mean, I went to my nephew's graduation yesterday, and he graduated with honors. He's a lot like me, but that's where the similarities end, because he graduated with honors. <laughs> uh, he's going into the same major I was in at Carolina in journalism, but he's 6'1". I'm not 6'1", as you know, right? Uh, but he studied hard, and I'm sure, I'm sure his parents, my sister, told him, if you study hard, you'll be able to do well. And go to the college you want to go to. And he did. But you know sometimes people study hard. And they're not able to go to where they want to go. It just doesn't work out that way. But generally speaking. If you tell a high school student to study hard. Work hard. You'll be able to do what you want to do. That does happen generally. But it's not a guarantee. So with that in mind. This passage gives us four secrets about life. That if we we'll listen. We'll have a long life. Number one. The first one is that listening is important. Did you hear that? (laughs) You'll catch that joke later. Listening is important. Listening is important. Verse 1, Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight, for I give you good precepts. That's like a statute, a rule. Do not forsake my teaching. Now in the biblical world, and really throughout the history of mankind, it was assumed that sons would learn about life from their fathers. That was the assumption. And tradition holds that Solomon wrote this collection. We're not really sure completely, but we're pretty sure he did. And whoever wrote this, Solomon, or whoever knew the importance of teaching his sons to listen. And there's a promise that if they listen, and if they apply this wisdom, they'll gain insight as to how the world works. Because if you're not teaching your children biblical wisdom of how the world works, they're going to hear it from somewhere else. And some of it might be right. Much of it is wrong. And I'll probably talk about that later. But he says this is how he learned about life. Verse 3. He says, when I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. It says he was tender. This has the idea of being soft or delicate or weak. And it's not what we're thinking of, like wimpy. And when people say that so-and-so is soft nowadays, we think of like, like just a wimpiness. That's not what this is. This tenderness means that a boy's heart is open to instruction at an early age. They're open to it. As a boy or a girl even matures, their hearts get harder. They get less open to instruction, especially from their parents. I know I have teenagers and I have children, and some are more open than others. And so the father here says, this is how my father taught me. You need to listen, and when you listen, you'll live. Now, this is not just good advice for us to give our kids and our grandkids. This is good advice for us to hear now, amen, no matter our age. I saw a quote this week that said that your father is the only man in the world who will be happy when you out-succeed him. A father whose son outperforms him in everything in life is the happiest man in the world. And there's a lot of truth into that. So he wants his sons to be successful. So he's telling them this is how you should live and this is what you should do. Children's ministry is what his father was doing, quite honestly. Children's ministry in the house. Children's ministry is, if, is one of the most, if not the most, important ministry in the church. Some think of it as wiping noses. Some think of it as coloring or putting children in time out when they don't listen. The hour a week in Sunday school, the hour a week of Juana, or during the week of VBS is like that starts tonight, is extremely crucial, extremely crucial to the spiritual development of a child. Now, it starts in the home. We just supplement what you're already called to do with your children and grandchildren. We, we supplement what you're already expected to do. But some children don't have that. So ministry at the church becomes even more important. A lot of times when we think of children's ministry, we think about something that women mostly lead. Well, that's really far from the truth. Now, that might be the case in reality, but it doesn't have to be. Solomon doesn't say, go talk to your mom about life (laughs) to his sons. No, he says, go ask your mom about it. He says, no, I'll tell you about it because my father told me about it. He trains his child and so the primary children's ministry occurs in your home. And if you're a member of this church, there's one here as well. And I'm thankful for all of our children's workers, women and men that we have who lead our children. And we could always use more. You know, we have um, we're, we already have 120 children pre-registered for VBS. 120. This time last year we had 90. Oh, yeah, go ahead and clap. That's fine. The Lord is moving. We're going to have to order more food, okay? We could use more. So um, be thinking about how you can help. Well, I don't know what to say. Just model how a Christian man or a Christian woman should be. Children are watching. They get their models from somewhere. We want them to get them from people who claim to be Christians. So, listening is important. Secondly, wisdom is important. Wisdom is important. He says in verse 5, get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget, do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. He's he's giving wisdom a a personification, referring to wisdom as her. Do not forsake her. She will keep you, love her, and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get it. <laughs> and you, and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly. Prize wisdom highly. She will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. It says that if you embrace wisdom, you'll gain understanding and you'll be exalted in some way. And, and applying what you listen to is wisdom. We hear something, we listen to it, But then applying that, doing it, gives us a certain wisdom. And there are benefits for the application. Verse 9 says, She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown like, like you've won something. Hear, my son, and accept my words that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of righteousness. Again, people die young. It happens. There's accidents, things like this cancer, but one of the benefits of applying wisdom to your life, the Bible tells us, is that you will live a long life. That's not a guarantee, but it's a promise. Making wise choices, you live a long life. It starts with a young child who understands not to run across the road without looking both ways. How do they know that? They've been taught that. And they apply it. And they are now wise. As they get older, it starts more about like, don't speed when you're driving. Don't drink and drive. Don't drink, period. Don't do anything that's going to cause problems in your life. Making wise choices leads to a long life. That's what the Bible tells us. He says, verse 12, When you walk, your step will not be hampered. And if you run, you won't stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. The problem we find ourselves in our culture today, in our society today, is that there isn't a lot of wisdom, biblical wisdom, being passed down. Just turn on the TV. Just scroll your Online feeds. It's all kind of things being posted. Some of it is so wrong and so bad it makes me angry. It's all kind of things out there that are telling people about life. And what is passed down is not wise. What is taught as being good is not. And if people aren't taught anything, then they'll for sure make poor decisions and have a less chance of a long life life young men will turn to youtube if no one is speaking in their lives they will i know this because we post things on facebook and youtube sermon clips by far the most people who listen and watch are young men amen that we're reaching them amen but who wouldn't be who would be what else are they seeing I often wonder. Maybe they'll find a pastor they gravitate towards. Maybe they'll find a, a motivational speaker online they like. Maybe they'll find a gang. Maybe they'll find a Nazi group. Maybe they'll find a terrorist cell. What will they find when they look for mentors, when they look for wisdom, and no one is pouring biblical wisdom into their lives? Last night, I'm watching baseball, trying to enjoy my night, and I get, see this advertisement about celebrating Pride Month. You know what that is, celebrating Pride Month. And the point of it was that no matter your sexuality, you should worship, you should be glad about your individual indiv- individuality, who you are, who you are. You should celebrate who you are no matter what you believe. That is a lie. Our identity is not in who we are. As a Christian, our identity is in Jesus Christ. That's where it is. I'm white, male from the South, married with children. My identity is not in that. It is in Jesus Christ. But who's teaching our children that? Who's teaching our world that? Who's teaching them wisdom so that they may have a long life? So wisdom is important. Three, holiness is important. Look at verse 14. Do not enter the path of the wicked. Do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it, do not go on it, turn away from it and pass on, for they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble, for they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The temptation to do evil is all around. It's all around our young people, it's all around you, for that matter today. And so Solomon instructs his sons to avoid it. But he doesn't just say avoid it. He says, turn away from it. Move on. See, evil doesn't just happen to us. It doesn't just happen to us. My four-year-old today did something wrong, and he blamed the dog. The dog wasn't even anywhere near you. It was the dog's fault. He said, no, it was your fault. It was Annabeth's fault. She's in the bed. Evil doesn't just happen to us. First, we observe it. And then we have a choice to make to either travel down that road or not. So we avoid the places where evil can be. if we come across it, we go the other direction. This is good advice for all of us. But how much more good advice is it for those who desperately need direction and aren't getting it anywhere? Where are they receiving it? They're not getting it from the Bible. You know where they're getting it from. Solomon does not want his sons going down an unholy and evil path. So he tells them to avoid it and turn around. Last summer, last 4th of July, we were driving up to Myrtle Beach, and I knew that there was a possibility for rain. And I thought to myself, you know, I don't want to be driving in a bunch of rain. Well, guess what? I drove in a bunch of rain. And as we were going up 17 and whatever the road it was, it got really heavy really fast and it was basically a flash flood. Now I've driven through heavy rains down here in the Charleston area, you have two really heavy ones, but this was really heavy and for a long time and it flooded pretty fast and now your maps will tell you if there's flash flood areas and I was getting ready to drive through two or three of them on my phone, right? So we're sitting at this light and I can't see a thing and I got four children in the back and so I said, I'll just take a right into this mall. and We'll just park over here and ride it out. So I took a right into this mall, which is now an abandoned mall, which are all over the place, by the way, abandoned shopping centers. Turned in there, and a car was in front of me, and there was this huge puddle that was like a lake, and he went in the lake, and bout didn't come out. And I saw that, and I thought to myself, ah, I don't think I should follow that. <laughs> he got out, but man, if we start floating, we're going to have a lot of problems, right? So I didn't know what to do. I just sat there right when I turned the intersection and I thought about it and I said, well, I I guess I have to turn around and find somewhere else to pull off. It it was so desperate. I mean, if I pull off the side of the road, it's pretty desperate already, right? It was already desperate for me to pull off. So I was like, well, I guess we got to turn around and that's unsafe than where we are now. So we turned around and went across the intersection. There was a Walmart there that was, the parking lot was on a grade. And so I parked there and water flowed down and we were fine we kind of, it was safe, and we didn't flood away, and then finally, when it stopped raining for a little bit, we got on down the road. That's how usually how evil is. We, we see it, and we think, "I don't know, I don't know. Is it that bad?" And we kind of pause, and we think to ourselves, uh. but then when we see someone fall, like the car before me, we see, "Oh yeah, yeah, that's bad." And then we turn around. But what if we don't have that model in front of us saying, hey, this is, this is bad. Turn around. Sin and evil bring destruction, but holiness gives us a good life. And this is what Solomon's teaching his sons. Turn around. Avoid it. Live to fight another day. He says in verse 18, but the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn it shines brighter and brighter until full day. And you know, I know, I'm very well aware of what the light of dawn looks like, because as soon as the light of dawn breaks, my four-year-old's awake. Comes and jumps in our bed. Dad, can I have this? I'm like, oh, I'm just waking up. As soon as the, as soon as the sun peaks above the horizon, he's ready to go. Right. And it gets brighter and brighter until the full day. And what he's saying is this. The more you live in holiness, then the easier it is for you to see the right thing to do. The more you live in holiness, the easier it is for you to see. The brighter the light shines, and you can decipher good from evil. But the inverse is true, verse 19. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness, they do not know over what they stumble. The more wicked and evil you do, the the, the more darkness you get in before you even don't realize what it is you're tripping over and what you're stumbling over. So holiness is important. And number four, vigilance. Vigilance is important. Sometimes that's the word that's used for vigilance, but the word I like to think of for this also is stubbornness. We don't think of stubbornness as being a good thing. You know, I talk about my kids a lot, but i got this stubborn four-year-old ever made. Gets from his dad. He'll just flat out tell me what he's going to do and what he's not going to do. I kind of laugh. I said, well, that's not going to work out for you very well. This morning he said, this morning he told me, I'll do what I want. I said, well, you go ahead and do that. It's not going to go well for you very well. And then he doesn't do it, right? He's stubborn. But you know what, as he gets older and follows Christ, that stubbornness is going to be an asset, amen? That's the kind of stubbornness the people of God need. The vigilance we need. Look what he says in verse 20 My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings, let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, all stubbornness. For from it flow the springs of life. This idea also of vigilance has this idea of guarding. It means to guard your heart, but it's the idea of guarding a prison cell. Keep your heart imprisoned. Keep it locked away. Don't let anything in it. Now, this doesn't mean that you need to be some bitter person who doesn't love anyone. That's not what it's saying. It's saying don't let your heart get attached to things in the world that are not godly. Don't let your heart get attached to things that are not going to help you, that are not going to give you a long life. Keep your heart. Be stubborn about what you're giving your heart towards because that prison of your heart, there really should only be one occupant in there with your heart, and his name is Jesus. That's who's in there. That's what he says. Guard it. Verse 24. And then he kind of just throws this in here. There seems to be not a lot of context. He says, put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Well, we know that's wrong to speak wrongly, but why does he say that? Then he says in verse 25, let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. This is what he's saying. When you get older, he says, you're going to want to talk bad about somebody at some point. (laughs) You're going to want to. Someone's going to do something to you. Someone's going to sin against you. You're going to want to call someone on the phone, text somebody. You're going to want to tell somebody, Come here, I got a secret to tell you. Did you hear about that? Did you hear about this? No. Why are we whispering? Because I don't want anybody to hear it. Why not? Right? He says, Listen, don't talk about people like that. And he says this in verse 25 look forward. Forward. See, when we're too busy with the things of the world, we're talking about this, talking about that. We're looking behind about what happened. We're, we're talking about what happened. We're talking about what's going on now. He says, sons, look forward. When you're walking forward, you don't have time to turn around and talk about what happened or time to turn on to the side and, and talk about what's going on. He says, sons, keep moving forward. Now, he's not saying you shouldn't ever deal with confrontation. He's not saying you shouldn't ever deal with issues. He's just saying it's not worth it. Don't turn around. Don't turn to the side. Keep forward. Keep your gaze forward. When we're doing that, when we're moving ahead with our lives, then we're not going to have a problem doing what he said. Devious talk. And crooked speech. Because we're not concerned about that. Why? Our hearts guarded. Right? Our hearts guarded. So the wise life is one where you're continually looking. Continually moving forward. And he adds to it in verse 26. He says, ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Vigilance stubbornness is important for the christian today it's never been more important to be stubborn vigilant for the things of god since i've been alive it hasn't been it's never been more important to be stubborn and we don't we don't just be stubborn to be stubborn and we don't do it in a sinful way We do it because our identity is in Jesus Christ. He is our Lord and Savior. No government has ever saved me. No public figure has ever saved me. No idea or philosophy has ever saved me from my sins. One person has saved me from my sins and given me eternal life, and that's Jesus Christ. And that's why we're here today, amen, to worship Him in spirit and in truth, because we were lost, but now we're found. We were shackled in sin, and now we're free. So the secret to life is keeping Jesus first. Vigilance, holiness, wisdom, and listening to what God has already told us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. I pray for these dear brothers and sisters. I pray for myself. Find ourselves in a world that for the most part has a negative view of biblical Christianity. It is no longer beneficial for many people in the world to be Christians, at least in our country. It's not beneficial for many people to be stubborn for Jesus. And so we, every day, find ourselves with decisions to make. As we follow you, we have messages coming at us from all over the world, all over, everywhere, telling us that we just need to follow our heart. We just need to be who we are. And Lord, you saved us because of who we are, sinners in need of a Savior. So, Lord, we thank you that in you we are new creations. We are made in your image, and that is who we are. And, Lord, let us pass these words down to those younger than us, to those children, those grandchildren that we have in our lives, that if they're not going to hear it from us, they're not going to hear it. Lord, we love you, we ask these things in Jesus' name.